globe change it Why they don't share this? Who else know this? I smell rodents I'ma shake the globe till they feel it Why the world make me feel misguided? I can't hide it I'ma shake the globe change it Why they don't share this? Who else know this? I smell rodents I'ma shake the globe till they feel it What's up everybody? This is the Misguided Podcast We intend to guide you to a better future The purpose of this podcast is to do exactly that We will dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and highlight what makes them successful, but also pinpoint mistakes they've made and how to improve them. Our goal is to make you start thinking about building generational wealth through business. I hope you enjoy, and if you do, please rate this podcast and leave a review. And now, let's get started. What's up, everybody? My name is Jawan Rohan, and this is the Misguided Podcast. We intend to guide you to a better future. I'm sitting here with Joshua, a real estate investor out in San Jose. How you doing today? I'm good, man. How you doing? I am busy. <laughs> I'm busy, but uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, I wasn't feeling too well yesterday, so I was kind of nervous, but I felt I felt a lot better today. I think it was. Um, I don't know. Something something was wrong yesterday, but I'm okay today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like it, man. And if you're squeezing stuff in, I mean, before the show, you were uh, munching on your lunch, so I can tell that you're definitely hustling and grinding. So I like yeah, it. Definitely, definitely. And I, I got I got a notary appointment in about an hour, so I'm just. It's been a busy. It's been a busy morning already. So. Um, yeah, if you're not doing something else while you're signing closing docs, are you really doing it right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. I'm excited to get into your story. And I love interviewing uh, people from the Bay Area, you know, and, and, and kind of networking. Um, so I'm excited to hear your story. And I'm sure my audience will. So let's go ahead and get into where you're from. And, and for the audience listening, I will be eating for the first two minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. So, okay. So I'm from San Jose, grew up here, um, went to high school, Independence High School in San Jose, went to community college out in De Anza, um, and then transferred to San Jose State. Uh, actually, I thought I was going to be a cop. Um, and I did martial arts my whole life and big hiring for you when I finished college. Uh, so my parents convinced me to go apply to grad school. I moved out to Hawaii for about seven years. Um, I started a CrossFit clothing brand out there, ended up starting a CrossFit gym as well. Um, and while working uh, at the University of Hawaii, getting my master's, um, played with those ventures, really fun, learned a lot. That kind of gave me a, a nice little fundamentals for business. Um, and then uh, both of those kind of fizzled out just for different mistakes that maybe we can dive into later. Um, uh, but the Working in education, I realized that if I stayed in education, it'd be very hard for me to buy a house in Hawaii or buy a house in the Bay Area where my family's at. So my wife and I moved back to the Bay Area. She's also from here. We have two beautiful kids now. Uh, my day job is I work uh, and I do marketing for a winery at JLOR Vineyards and Wines, and then just got into real estate investing. It's actually been just a year. Last week was our one-year celebration. I'm closing on our first house. So yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. That's amazing, man. Amazing. Dang. So you, you cut, wait, so I swear you just said you moved and now you're renting. So did you, was the home you bought an investment property or is that what you're living in now? Yeah. So three years ago, as I was working at the, my, both, actually both my wife and I were working at the university of Hawaii. Uh, we had our first kid and it was, I mean, with us both even having master's degrees with basically your tenure track positions at a university, we couldn't afford to buy a house out there. Um, and it was really hard to be away from the grandparents. So then we moved back, um, back in 2018 
And it was supposed to be for a few months that I was going to live with my family, ended up being three years. Um, so we just moved into this apartment. Um, and that was actually like a big thing for me was, oh man, I'm moving back to my parents' house. And I did this for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little bit of time where I was shameful about it, you know, because, you know, you, you go out and you do all these things. And all of a sudden now I'm, I'm here grinding, but I'm still living with my parents, right, with my own family. Um, but that was a conversation that I had with my dad was to try and buy a house in the Bay Area to live. I quickly realized that, I don't know, paying five $6,000 for a mortgage in San Jose, I don't know if it's worth it. So instead, I took all the money that I saved and I bought a few investment properties and we're still renting now because I don't want to pay six grand for a mortgage. <laughs> that's that's the way to do it. And you want to live in the Bay Area. Have you thought about moving to a cheaper area? We have. We have. But my parents live in San Jose. Her mom lives in Sunnyvale. Um, we moved back here to be close to them. Yeah, family's so. everything. And you got kids now, so you could just drop them off. You could go have a date. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, we've done that a couple of times. Maybe not as many times as I want to. Yeah, yeah. It's coming. That's some difficult when, kids. When, when they're... When, <laughs> When they get a little bit older and they listen more, then you can do that. Um, that yeah. That's that's amazing, man. Your story is, is is super relatable. I mean, I, you know, I had kind of the same thing. Went to college for a year, studied psychology, studied psychology because I wanted to be a cop. I went through that whole process. I was almost a cop, signed like conditional offers and everything. Um, and then oh, decided, wow. yeah, decided it wasn't for me. Um and and kind of that's how my, my story started so very very relatable and the whole like um you know living in an ex- inexpensive areas and being like I don't want to pay this much to like live like I'd rather invest that money like still still get into real estate but invest it so you did you did amazing man um that is awesome so let's talk so the you said you work as a market manager for a wine company right how long have you been with them uh, it's been two years now at JLore, and I love it. Um, yeah, I love my boss. This is the best boss I probably will ever have. Um, and so, yeah, I run all of their paid ads um, and a lot of their organic social too. Um, okay. But it's it's been a blast. Oh, that's amazing, man. That is, that is really cool. Um, and so, what does your wife do, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, she does. Uh, she does sales for Adobe. She actually just started that job um, about a month ago. Before that, she was kind of transitioning, and she was playing with actually doing wholesaling for a bit full-time so <laughs> okay yeah yeah um cool well that, that that's amazing and you have two kiddos what uh how can you uh say their ages yeah two boys uh so sorry for my wife I guess you're stuck with a fool with all the boys in the house but uh three and a half and three months so that's amazing man uh, that's a, it's a blessing I'm sure that changed your life and definitely motivated you after college to like just start building wealth as fast as you can huh Oh yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's interesting trying to grow a business before kids versus after kids. Because... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, before kids, I was like, I will sleep in my car if I need to. Like, you know what I mean? I was mm-hmm. like, I'll do anything. I will stay up till 5am. I mean, I'm still staying up till 5am, but I'm not doing business. I'm with kids now. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was, it's, it's totally different, man. I, I totally feel that. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking? Uh, 31. Oh, nice, nice, man. Looking good, looking good, man. <laughs> uh, cool, cool. You want to zoom uh, filters? I'm yeah, <laughs> the apply the brightness filter. <laughs> no. Um, you want to uh, get into your first introduction to real estate? Yeah, this was uh, maybe about a few months after I moved back to Bay Area. I mean, I think everyone at one point, right, knows that hey, buying real estate is the end goal, but nobody really realizes how tangible it is. Um, and so I moved back to the Bay, 
Um, I had another friend from Hawaii who's about my age, um, and he was uh, an analyst at a bank, right? Just your everyday job, also with two kids um, my age. And he started buying up properties in Tennessee. He was buying duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes. And I knew him. We did CrossFit together. And I was like, dude, how are you, how are you buying these? He's like, oh, I'm partnering with people. I'm doing this. Here's a cash flow. And he started blogging about all of his numbers, his breakdown. Uh, we jumped on a couple of calls and he just showed me how possible it was. Uh-huh. Um, convinced my wife, um, mainly just because my buddy in Hawaii said that once he had a second kid, he had enough cash flow from his rentals that his wife didn't have to work again. And then at that point, my wife said, okay, I'm on board, whatever <laughs> yeah. you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So a few months later, you know, we, of course, millions of uh, bigger pockets, podcast listening, <laughs> read like 20 books. Uh, we just crammed everything we could. Uh, and then a few months later, we bought our first one in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, that's amazing. Why, why, why Columbus, Ohio? I mean, I know that's the hot spot, but like, why, why there? Uh, for us, one was budget, right? Like we couldn't, I, a lot of places, right? People look in Texas and things like that, but we didn't have the money to buy in California and Texas and places like that. The Midwest had a price point that we were, you know, comfortable with for our first one. Yeah. Um, and one make sure that it also had landlord friendly laws. Um, and then after that, was also just looking at, of course, your rent to price ratios and then your income to rent ratios and kind of the nitty gritty. Um, I picked a few cities, messaged agents on bigger pockets. Uh, I found kind of just the most rapport and connection with an agent out in Columbus. And they kind of like opened the doors with contractors and property managers. And so they made it really easy. The numbers worked out and we just sent it. Nice. When, when, when was this again? Uh, we decided to jump in 20, November, 2020, a month later, we started making offers and we closed on our first one. We actually closed in two within a week, a bird property and a, a rent and ready one that we had under contract first. And then I realized that I can't do too many of these. Um, but yeah, we closed on our first two properties in January of last year. So nice, 2021. Man. Congrats. Congrats. So, um, the bird, that's a popular strategy right now. Um, can you kind of walk us through the process of um, like how you vetted this property and how much you were willing to spend? Um, obviously, you said, you know, Ohio, like that was the budget friendly one. So like if you don't mind sharing price details, that would be amazing. Yeah. So I'd say the first that we had under contract um, was a rent ready property we found listed for 120K, um, put down 20 percent. And then after that, of course, we did an inspections, had a contractor walk it to all the major concerns. Um, but that was scheduled to close out, I'd say a little over a month. Okay. Um, and then at that point, I was reading more about Burr, right? That you're buying a fixer-upper, rehabbing it, renting it out and refinancing it. And then I was just, I only want Burrs, right? And I was telling my agent that, and I actually wanted to back out of the rent-ready one. Um, wow. Why? Because you only wanted Burrs. Because I only want a bird, but yeah, it's, I think cash to close. So I had, you know, going back to my story about moving back to the Bay area, um, I managed to save, uh, almost a hundred thousand dollars, um, to thank you to, to buy a, a primary residence. And then I was running everything and I was like, why would I dump it all into here? And then just to be house poor, um, when I can cut and you know live in an apartment anyways wait wait um, wait time out did you think to do the burr strategy with your own primary residence duplex rent out half build the adu live in the adu did you think about that 
I did. I did. And so I was looking at duplexes here in San Jose and still even the, the you can't like, even I, afford it with a hundred K. Yeah. Well, your, your normal duplex out here, even your fixed upper is 1.2. And I actually, I put, I, I made a video about that, uh-huh. uh, about searching for a duplex out here. I and mean, we were walking some too. Um, but you would have to dump in so much money and you would just like, I didn't have the reserves for yeah. that project. Yeah. 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 Like that's yeah. an extra zero off of 120 K. You know what I mean? So that's like yeah. Yeah, an extra yeah. risk on knowing nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he talked me off the ledge, which now being a year later, obviously with COVID appreciation was the best decision ever. Um, but you know, hindsight's 2020. Um, but, the, but now, you know, I was hooked on burrs. And yeah. so I was joining all these, off-market Facebook groups, talking to wholesalers. Uh, one popped up on an off-market group on Facebook and was like, here's this house in Columbus. Um, it was listed for 85K, boarded up windows. Uh, I've then found out after my agents walked it, I still use an agent actually to talk to, uh, direct to the seller. Wow. Uh, because I, I wasn't boots on the ground. They were boots on the ground. They still wanted 3% and I was willing to give them 3% of the purchase to handle it all for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was worth it for me. Um, and so I found out that this property actually, uh, used to be a drug house and the previous tenants were forcefully evicted by the, by, by Columbus SWAT. Like there were tear gas in the windows. Um, like all the furniture was flipped upside down. There was like Uno cards in the living room. And then I got the police report back and it was like hundred grams of this, hundred grams of that, you know, these guns, ammo, body armor, cash. And I was like, Ooh. And then I found out there was an environmental lien. I guess police have been scattering this property and the previous owners didn't actually resolve the nuisance complaints, obviously for, you know, drugs and weapons. Um, And so because they didn't uh, resolve the problem with the tenants, uh, they actually were banned by the city to use that property as an investment property for a year. So So their loss is my gain. So I came up real quick and I, I, luckily at that point I was calling hard money lenders, gave them this deal, ran what the potential after repair value was, got our agents in there. They had a contractor who walked it the next day for a, you know, a ballpark bid. What was it? What was the ballpark? Uh, They were saying 30, ended up being 35. So not that much more. Nice. That's good. I'd be happy to spend 5k extra. Like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, so it was listed on Facebook Marketplace for 85 grand. Um, we negotiated it down. We locked it up for 85. But then once we got the contractor in there, we um, uh, got them to lower it down to 75, um, just through negotiations of whatever need to get repaired. And then um, it took two months for rehab, uh, and then it appraised for 175. Wow! So, wow! Yeah, we were good. all in for like 110. Um, yeah, and it wow. replaced for one seventy five, and we get. I think it's like one hundred and seventy five bucks in cash flow. What is it right now? What is uh? What what uh? How much equity did you get in in right now with COVID? Uh, I mean, I'd say you know, obviously things have dipped a little bit. We're probably somewhere around like forty k ish. Okay. After the cash out refi left in. Okay. Um, and we got a couple grand back. We got all of our money plus a couple grand back out. Nice. So some extra cash, some Made cash a little flow bit, yeah. and equity. So 175 was, on the, on the long-term rental. Um, have you, did you think about doing short-term or no? Not at this point. Not at this um, point. Obviously now, I mean, and this yeah. is all in March. Yeah, so yeah. like we're 12 months in, like I just finished my rookie year of investing. We now have seven properties, um, eight door or nine doors. 
um, a majority of which are long-term rental, one short-term rental in the works. I have a flip under underway as well in Columbus. Um, and then we're looking for a couple more short-term rentals. So we're like fully in this now. Yeah, dude, how are you like scaling so quickly? How, you know, that's the number one question is like a lot of people, they they struggle to save for their first one. And I mean, shit, saving for my first one took a lot, you know? Um, and now I'm already, th- I just closed less than a month ago and I'm already thinking like, all right, how can I afford to get this next one this year? So like, how are you yeah. scaling so quickly? Uh, I mean, I think it's the who not how, like everyone says, I am very open to partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether it be using other people's money to close mm-hmm. on properties, now that I have a track record, um, I'd say, you know, so the first one was written ready. we locked in 35K. Our second one was a Burr property. We got our money back. That was like six, seven months later down the road, <laughs> though, yeah. you know, but um, our, our next one was a duplex that we partnered with uh, my wife's best friends. And then the next few actually that were partners with my dad. Um, and then I found another business partner for another one. So I'm very open to partnerships. My CPA is probably going to like, I owe him yeah. a lot this yeah. year. <laughs> um, but I, I just figured, got the who and figured out the how as I went along. Yeah. And yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you we're going to touch on that a little bit later, but, um, that, that, that's amazing strategy. Um, and, and that's what I've been trying to pre- preach to people who come to me and like, hey, like, how can I get started? I'm like, well, what can you bring to the table first? You know, because um, if you don't have the money, you have to bring something else, whether it's equity, whether it's you finding the deal, you know, you have to bring something to the table. And um, I, I mean, I think partnerships are great um, when done right. And obviously you hear the crazy partnership stories where it doesn't work out, but that's with anything. It could not work out with you just doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it, yeah. the contractors are bad. The agents are bad. You found a bad deal. Like it, it could always not work out. But the cool thing about real estate is there's always plenty of exit strategies. And even if you fuck up, you're bound to still make money in the game. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. You can yeah. cuss on here too. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, Thinking about partnerships, you know, a lot of people are scared of it, but a lot of people also, I think maybe jump in too hastily, right? Like they're like dating and they're like, they want to like get uh, married yeah. like right away. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. Let's do a deal right now. Like, come on, yeah, I just yeah. met you five minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, and for me, a lot of people have asked me now about that too, but uh, like, it's the people who will take the time and date the partnership that actually end up being better partners. So yeah, facts, facts, facts. Um, I just went through that. That's hilarious. Like, I mean, I have a, I have a, a close friend. We've been friends for, for years, like probably a long time, like almost a decade now. Um, and um, we kind of just sat down. We went to a, a shooting range. And after we kind of just sat down and had lunch and just started talking about wealth, he saw everything that I was doing and, and just had some questions. And then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, man, I've been, you know, trying to like look for a partner and stuff. And um, it's kind of hard out here. And I was like, would you ever be interested in real estate? He's like, yeah, man, you just like walk me through. And then boom, like that lunch started everything. Since then, like we were like in the dating phase, we would go on a couple of lunches here, conversation every day. Like, what do you think about this? Like, you know what I mean? And it was literally like the dating phase. And then we just closed on our first property like three weeks ago <laughs> dude so. congrats man <laughs> thank you thank you um so yeah no you're 100 right and, and i totally agree so now that you've had a taste of the long term a taste of the short term what do you prefer and why um i mean obviously i prefer short term for the cash flow the ca- yep but the long term 
once you get a team in place, like a team that you trust and you done a few deals with them, like they'll send me a deal. I can make an offer on it. And like the contractors in place, everything's in place and it's, and it's effortless. Um, the mountain of getting your first short-term rental, I'm sorry, your first long-term rental seems, you know, big and scary. But then when you start thinking about a short-term rental, which is now a hospitality business, like we're in the process of launching our first one. And there were a hundred more steps that I had to do with a short-term rental than a long-term rental. Probably a thousand, man. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. And it's, it's like, there's so much that can, can go wrong with the short term. Right. And there's so much work ethic, um, that, that it takes and, and quick story, but this happened about two nights ago. I had a guest check into to the house we just closed on and, um, and they threw a party. Like, like, this is like the third rental. They threw a party oh, and, and beforehand, I'm like, you know, there's cameras on the property. Right. And the crazy part is they, they tried to start the party at like 1.30 a.m. It was like 1.25 a.m. And I'm watching the cameras. My phone's going off. Ding, ding, ding. And I'm like, what the hell? And all of a sudden, I just see like two people go in, three people go in, five people go in, cars parked on the street. I'm like, no, 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 no. So I had to shut it down. I had to threaten to call authorities. Um, it was crazy. And... Um, and then they ended up leaving at like 2 a.m. And then they ended up coming back at 4 a.m. And not throwing a party, but inviting more people that was on the guest list. So Catch instead check. of the five people they said that were going to stay the night, about 10 people spent the night. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. It, How trashed was the place? Was the tra- was Dude, place it was actually, trash? it was, no, I was surprised. I still haven't went and drove to go see it personally, but my cleaning, yeah. she, she sent me photos and everything. Nothing. See, it's, see I, I was, I was the surprised. neighbors complain? Yeah. So one of the neighbors across yeah. the street, but he was, he was like complaining, like the first day I was moving in, like the first day I, no, I haven't even like closed on the house. He would always just be outside, like looking in the window or he would come out and just stand there with, with a case of beer and just look to see, like, who is this young man moving into this neighborhood? Like, it's a, it's a really nice neighborhood, and it's, like, an older neighborhood. So mm. it's in, like, a better part of Stockton. Um, but, yeah, I, I had already felt bad vibes from him. <laughs> so, but did you meet him? Um, I haven't. So uh, I guess he went up to my cleaner and was like, uh, can you mm. have him? Um, come talk to me. <laughs> yes. All right, get, give him my phone number. He can call me. Uh, yeah, man. I, I mean, for me and my business partner down there in, in Joshua Tree, we were, I mean, obviously people go out to Joshua Tree for concerts and for raves and things like that. Right. And so we wanted to make sure that we knew the neighbors. We wanted them to be our eyes on the ground. We wanted them to like really trust us. I used to do sales before the marketing side. So my goal was just to get them to like me as much as possible. That way mm-hmm. we don't ever get the complaints. Um, but yeah, man, I meet him, schmooze him, uh, yeah. give him whatever beer he had in his hand. Nice little yeah. 24 pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's key. I had already smoothed one neighbor. Um, he seemed really good, but he was on the other side of the street. Cause I'm on a corner a lot. Like I said, it's a huge lot. Uh, so, um, yeah, but this one, I don't think there's no smoothing. I, I just don't think he wants a young man in the neighborhood. <laughs> My cleaner well, was like. Person. My, yeah, my cleaner was like, uh, yeah, he does Airbnb. 
And um, I, I don't think he knew what that was. So I'm pretty sure he went and Googled it after. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might, it might even be better if he doesn't know what it is. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was funny. Uh, but no, nah, uh, 100% right, man. Long term is like, hey, like, you don't even have to furnish the place. Like, it's amazing. Like, you know what I mean? It's so much easier. But as far as cash flow, like $175 compared to, you know, a couple thousand in your pocket is that's huge, right? Because that couple thousand can make you save for another property. Um, and we talk about that a lot is reinvesting money. Um, no, I, 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 I honestly think having both um, in your portfolio is great. Um, reason being is because when we go through these ups and downs in real estate, when we go through COVID, you know, you have both, you have both to work with. And, and um, although the, the Airbnbs through COVID have been amazing um, because people are traveling still, um, you still have that stability of the long-term renter, right? So you yeah. don't have to worry financially about where is this money going to come from? Um, so I think it's, it's great, man. Um, I want to hop into any books and podcasts, um, any blogs, whatever um, that you're reading that kind of help you stay motivated because this stuff is draining, honestly. Like real estate is draining. When you have a nine to five, it's draining. When you have two young kids under the age of four, under the age of 18, it's draining. You know what I mean? Like, so how, how do you stay motivated? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess for me, I'm a little more obsessive than I guess most people are. My wife will attest to that. I am too, um, man. My, 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 my wife will attest to. <laughs> like, and I, those are the people that actually succeed. And I, I mean, there's so many, you know, different real estate books and, and everything. I, I, my unique take of, you know, answering a question also to how I've scaled, it's the marketing side. And, you know, being able to put yourself out there, I think, one, making videos, whether it be, you know, like your podcast, like my own videos that I produce too, um, not only help you reach more partners, but also like the, like the world just keeps you accountable. Like, like the internet trolls will, Hey, what are you doing? You're doing this. Like they'll, mm. they'll check you on everything. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, being able to just publicly state my goals makes me myself more accountable, but other people also know what to check in on me on. Um, and then of course, too, like just, just, you know, having either been laid off or looking for jobs and worrying about your kids, like it, it's a sucky feeling to think, man, if like, if I don't clock into my nine to five, my, my, like my kids won't get paid or like, like well, I mean, won't get paid, won't, won't eat, you know? And so there's that baseline survival, but just also, you know, the, just putting yourself out there makes yeah. it more real. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, it's obviously it's that, that famous quote, it's not what you know, but who you know. And um, I figured out that when I started kind of teaching, when I started becoming a teacher of like financial literacy and, and, and investing, a lot of people started to ask questions. And just those people asking questions got those people into the door of learning more stuff, but also partnerships, right? because I get D DMs every day that's like, hey, like, what, what are your thoughts on this? Or what, you know, um, how, how do you start this Airbnb? How do you start the tarot business? Like every day. And it's like, yo, like <clears throat> it takes consistency from us, right? To, to be able to produce content, to, to, um, 
get these people to to start paying attention because you post one video you can't say you know um why is no one like uh hitting me up or anything right it takes consistency and, and when people start seeing you doing it over a consistent period of time then they start asking questions and then maybe those people start doing it right and then you've created this little community and now this community is filled with possible partnerships and i think that's how people continue to grow and scale like you like you are so a hundred percent man um what I, I I hear this all the time, but was um, Rich Dad Poor Dad the book that got you started? I mean, it was one of the ones that I read on early on. I'd actually say probably that was the fifth book I read. I may have even read like the How to Invest in Real Estate, the Burr book and all that before it, I actually finally plunged into uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Honestly, it was my buddy's blog of like, here's how I did it. And now I'm cash flowing a thousand bucks a month on my fourplex. Oh, now I have four of them. Like that's like all I need to see was the actuals. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the thing that is, is, is hard for people to see is people don't realize, oh, they may think it takes a lot of money, but once you see someone who's your peer that did it in a realistic sense, then it, it makes sense. Um, so mm, like his that. blog is what started it for me. I like that. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, no, that that's amazing. I I started. I started with a couple of books like I would read in college, read podcast or read podcasts, listen to podcasts and, and read. Um, I actually hate reading. So it was more like audio books um, because you, you could do multiple things at once. Um, mm-hmm. But it was honestly when I met one of my my friends, he kind of lit like this fire in me that I've always had. But it was just like, wow, you know, I saw it in him. So I was like, oh, shit, like it just lit something. And then together we just started doing business. And, and I mean, it, we've been amazing. We actually started this podcast together. Um, he no longer does it with me. But, I, it, you know, I think it takes seeing someone else do it and see the, the progression and the right, the rewards from it to actually get you motivated. You, you could read as many books and, and listen to many as podcasts you want, but like you have to see someone in person do it. Oh, for sure. I mean, Robert Kiyosaki, right? Of course, he's like a crazy millionaire. So yeah, whatever he says, it's going to work for you because you got the bankroll for it. But you know, you see your buddy who you like, grew up with. The average, like, yeah. And then, and then he shows you how you could do it and it's tangible. Like mm-hmm. it just hits different, you know? Facts. And Facts. so that's Definitely. what it did for me. Definitely. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, okay, I want to move on to the Hellamis guided segment where I ask the same question to each entrepreneur who comes up here. Um, and that question is, if you were to write yourself a summary or a letter at the age of 18, what would you tell yourself? Oh, that's a nice question. Um, <clears throat> I guess for me, uh, I the two things I would say on it probably be to check your ego. Um, oh, someone also, just said that on the last episode. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow. That's good, man. That's good. Um, yeah. If you check your ego and then that it's okay to take steps backwards. Um, for me, you know, come out of college, I, I, I had this perception, you know, I mean, I finished my undergrad in three and a half years uh, with honors or working full time. Um, we got a smart was, guy on here, huh? Everyone take notes, (laughs) you know, and then I was managing a martial arts school. I was doing some amateur uh, kickboxing fights and all this stuff. 
Um, you know, and because I had a program director title for the martial arts school that I was managing, I thought that I can eventually, you know, right out of college, move into something else, you know, of similar caliber, which is very different from managing a small business to trying to get a, a corporate job like that. Um, same thing happened when I went to University of Hawaii. I think I got turned down from every single job that I applied for. That was a grad position. And I ended up taking a front desk job at the library where my job was just tell people where the bathroom was, how to get upstairs when the stairs was right behind me. Like there were like all of these moments where I would just continue to get checked and get checked and get checked. And now, you know, being checked enough times, I know that, God, like there was still so much further for me to grow and to like not have that ego to just always learn from whoever it is, whether you think they are younger than you or don't know as much, like that's just something I try and keep in mind all the time. Most definitely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, ego is a big thing. And especially at 18, um, you know, I've been, I have a younger brother who's six years older than me now. He's like 21 um, or so. But um, when he was 18, you know, I was trying to teach him this type of stuff. Like, dude, like, you know, you need to start building credit. Like, you need, you know, you don't have a credit card. Um, like you need to start doing these things. You need to start saving. Like, what do you, you know? And, and they're like, nah, I don't care, man. I'll figure it out. And I get that. Like, it's okay to not have everything figured out, but you have to have some sort of plan. And if you don't have any type of plan, then you're just going to go along, not having any type of plan, not having no backups. So when you do reach a point of breaking, you're like, well, shit, I just wasted all that time because the one thing you can't get back and especially investing is time, right? Time is the most important thing. If you park your money somewhere, and don't even know what you're doing, time will save you, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah. um, that that's, I just kind of been trying to, and that's why I like, I like try and teach the younger group a lot is because, you know, they are the future. And I, when I was younger, when I was 18, I always wish I had like a mentor, mentee type of relationship with someone, someone who was just in my ear saying, hey, this is mm -hmm. what you should be doing. Let me not hold your hand, but let me guide you over here and you, you handle this. And then when you're ready, you come to me, you know what I mean? And so that's kind of why I started the podcast is to, to give that like mentor mentee type of situation and, and stuff. So good, good answer, man. Good answer. <laughs> um, what are some misconceptions on the, on, on the buying process? So on buying a home, a lot of people uh, are very scared. I mean, it is a freaking scary process. So, um, but like, what are some misconceptions you think? Uh, I mean, the one that I always tell people is that you don't have to have it all figured out. Um, I like to tell people that you have to earn your problems. So yeah, like between buying your, your, your first investment property or any investment property, there are probably a hundred different checklists you have to do, right? Your inspections, getting your contractor, insurance, all of that. But you really only need to focus on the next thing that's immediate. Other than that, if you have another problem, like, oh, like, what if the roof leaks? Well, hey, once you get your inspections, you know, you have, that could be a problem six months, six years down the road. Like, don't worry about that right now. You didn't even close on the, on the property yet. So just worry about whatever's next and then just keep figuring that out. But make sure that you keep figuring out the next thing and not, you know, lollygag or stumble, but you gotta, you gotta earn like, it, you know? I like what you said, earn your problems. I never heard of someone say that. So can you kind of... um touch like go into more detail on that yeah i mean i, I think buying an investment property whether it be a long-term rental a burr right your short-term rental it, it's daunting there are like take a burr for example when you're trying to build out your scope of work and your checklist i know nothing about construction right and that would immediately usually stop someone from being like i don't want to do burr because i don't know anything 
right? And like, I got to figure that out first. Let me buy the how to estimate our construction budget book first. Let me read that first. Let me walk a few properties first and then let me do this. And, or you could just lock something up and learn it along the way. Um, because before you even get to the scope of work, I mean, there's no point in building a scope of work if you don't even have the property under contract. Like every scope of work is going to be different. So don't worry about, yeah. oh man, kitchen gets redone, floors do this, you know, this type of paint. Don't worry about it. You, cause you, you didn't, you didn't earn the point to worry about it yet. So mm-hmm. run your numbers, get good at running your numbers, network with more people, like get the foundations down first, and then you can level up to the bigger problems. Yeah. That's Mo- most that's definitely. Your problems. I, I totally agree with that. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> I like that. I'm, I'm still, I, that's probably going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> um, I want to know what else you're invested in um, right now, because there's a lot of talks, um, especially right now with crypto and stocks majorly down. So are you invested in other things besides real estate? Yeah, I would say one thing that really helped me is, you know, again, I never really had it working education, working at UH with a tenure you know, track faculty position, we were making 40 K a year. Like that's nothing. That's nothing. Right. Man. You, that's, um, yeah. To live in Hawaii, to have a kid, like we had very little money to save. And so it's only when we moved back that I started to make a little bit more. Um, and I say a little bit more, um, it was just an aggressive savings. Um, and one thing that really helped catapult us to how we can save a hundred thousand dollars was actually on the first COVID dip. As soon as, you know, lockdown happened, I took all the cash that I was saving at the time. I think it was like 20 grand and mm-hmm. I just dumped it into stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, bought Zoom, obviously right before COVID, which was a good move. Bought Tesla and Apple, all of which have split since then. Dude, um, amazing. And that actually funded a lot of my seed money. Um, and then now even on this next dip, yeah, I'm, I'm still buying a lot of blue chip stocks. So like Tesla and Apple. Um, I bought Bitcoin actually for the first time last week, just or yeah. yesterday. Nice. Because of the dip, just... Just, yeah, like yeah. just a little bit, you know, just yeah, to like yeah. dip my do- feet in. Dollar cost average is the best way, man. Dollar dollar cost average. Oh. So dabbling, um, but real estate is still gonna be my primary investment vehicle, at least for the immediate future. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. That's that's amazing. So um, no, that's definitely good. Have you thought of starting a business like like whether like besides real estate, besides you know maybe a martial arts business opening a commercial building or something. So I did actually own my own CrossFit gym at one point here in Milpitas. I did start a CrossFit clothing brand out in Hawaii. Um, each of those were actually grossing a little over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, just, just a, a grossing. Yeah. 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 A lot okay. of people talk about gross. Yeah. Yeah. But, but still, the- yeah, but still it's, it looks good. It looks good on paper and it looks good in taxes. If you know how to write write things off. So. Yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> I, I never, I, we never had, a, we never claimed a profit. Just put it that way. That's yeah, like yeah. We're just dumping into it. There um, you go. There you go. But I mean, for me, it was just, you know, those ones, I was always half into them. Mm. Um, meaning I was still working at, you know, at a day job and, you know, doing nine to five, I was either still at, at a school program, whether it be my undergrad or my master's, um, and then, of course, just not having clear expectations with the partnership, I think also, you know, was things that kind of just trickled into whether either the business eventually dissolved just because it ended up just being more headache than we were not profiting, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or just for whatever reason. So, yeah. um, now, business, future, running a business is hard, man. 
Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. What were you going to say? No, I was saying the future, you know, I'm definitely not opposed to it. You know, I mean, for me, obviously I want to do a lot of more, a lot more rental properties, whether it be any type of asset class, but really eventually I want to move into multifamily, just like everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. Like the stepping stones. Um, and I'd like to be the capital raiser for a multifamily, my own multifamily syndication company with whoever it ends up being partnership with. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's amazing, man. Yeah, I kind of have like the same the same goals. I, I think that it would be really cool to have like a business based on short term rentals. So like, like whether it's, you know, helping other people set up their Airbnbs or their vacation homes, whether it's uh, just having my own website, being my own platform to where the, people don't even have to go through Airbnb, VRBO. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's kind of like where I want to go, you know, and I think that can help me scale as well, because, you know, I, I, I network a lot. So I, I, I don't think getting people to to um, go to my platform rather than Airbnb or something is going to be a, such a, a problem. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, that's no, that, amazing. Amazing. Well, we're going to start wrapping up. And the way I like to wrap up is with a segment called Guided Conclusions. Um, it's where I ask you a question that we did not talk about pr prior to uh, recording this um that question is and this is why uh i'm glad you kind of mentioned it before what would be your pitch to um getting investors to give you capital for deals uh my pitch is i guess it really depends on who you're pitching to my approach in general just kind of the whole system process i think you need to have a system for it is one i'm never pitching i'm always just telling people Right. It, it, there's never an ask for, hey, do you want to be my deal? It's here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. If they reach out to me, I have that flag as, hey, this guy has some special interest. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then um, after that, I have a couple of different kind of either like Zoom presentations or just workshops I try and do, whether it be like a deeper deal breakdown of, hey, here's how one of my properties went. Here are the numbers ask me whatever questions you have. I'm happy to help you get started. Um, oh, by the way, if you know anyone who would be interested in lending on my next project, let me know. That way it's never an ask from them. Do you want to lend? It's, hey, can you connect me with someone? That's how you can help me out. And then at that point, a lot of times I'll get a couple of messages after those workshops and then they'll say, hey, I could be interested. Let me know. And then from there, it goes into a pitch. But I think too many people pitch first when like, and this is like one of my favorite quotes. He asked me about a book that I like. I really love Sell It Like Sirhat by Ryan Sirhat. Um, and he always says that nobody wants to be sold to, but everyone wants to go shopping with friends. Um, and they have to trust you and have to, you know, want to go to the mall with you and kick it before you ask them, hey, do you want to go do this bigger thing? Um, it's like pitching the partnerships right away. This never works. Yeah, 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 no, no, I, I totally agree. I think it's more of, um, I think it's more of not a pitching, pitching what you want to do, but it's pitching yourself. So instead of asking for something, like I said, it's more like, how can I help you? Right. Um, mm -hmm. But it's also like, all right, sharing your story, like just open up on what you're doing, like you said. And if they are interested, they will let you know or they will give you a cue of like, oh, man, like how, how can I learn more about that? And then that's your cue to like, oh, let me walk you through the process or something. Why don't you come with me when I set up this next Airbnb and you can see how it works? Maybe you're interested in somehow, you know what I mean? But it's like, yeah. oh, it's like, don't open the door for someone and then tell them to come in. Just open the door. You know what I mean? 
if they want to come in they'll come in and i think those are better and i think honestly those are better in partnerships because you know i didn't force you to be here (laughs) like you voluntarily you know it's not like i came to you and pitched you this idea and now i feel guilty because whatever but you know you you opened the door and you you voluntarily walked in and was like show me and i showed you so um no i 100 percent agree man great great answer you had good answers all around good job (laughs) It's like you. you. It's like you've done this before. What the heck? Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, you want to let everyone know where they can um, reach out to you, listen to you, find out more about you. Yeah. Uh, so on all social media, whether it be YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, I guess people still Facebook, but uh, nobody really uses Facebook anymore. It's the number one platform on. still, man. <laughs> you know, groups, Facebook groups are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's my full name, which is Josh Ua with the UA. For some reason, I like to be called Josh, but written down with the UA. Uh, underscore Baldovino. So that's uh, B-A-L-D-O-V-I-N-O. It's bold wine in Italian. Uh, hey, hey, I work for a winery. Um, <laughs> and so that's where I am everywhere. If you have any questions, let me know. I'd love to connect with any of you on uh, any of the social media platforms. And uh, thanks, man, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. It's been it's been great too. Um, well, you guys here uh, heard it here. Make sure you reach out to Josh, you uh, <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, and make sure you like and subscribe this episode and comment. Let us know your thoughts. All right, you heard it here. This is the Misguided Podcast. We intend to guide you to a better future. My name is Juwan. Again, sitting here with Joshua, um, and make sure you go check him out. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. Cause don't nobody want me Don't nobody want me, want me Don't nobody want me No, don't nobody want me, want me Cause don't nobody want me Don't nobody want me, want me Don't nobody want me No, don't nobody want me, want me a lot of girls I would run away from With you I run to the danger like a blonde who's dumb In every scary movie I got the people yelling bitch run But I'm stuck like a test dummy I'm still hung up on you Ooh, But I'm searching for something new Cause you didn't want me, maybe she do Or I could name two, even three Falling like a leaf And it's only for you but please, before you leave, know that I love lo- us Still can't say it, back and forth with my conscience Like love is rocket science, pointless math didn't solve this Cause don't nobody want me don't nobody want me, want me. Don't nobody want me. No, don't nobody want me, want me. Cause don't nobody want me. Don't nobody want me, want me. Don't nobody want me. No, don't nobody want me, want me. 
lot of danger I like to run toward Too many consequences I just can't afford I scribble these sentiments down and turn them into words Hoping you understand it better than I ever did before My self-conscious thoughts are an open book I'll let you read here Take a look, what do you see? Are you shook? Don't judge me when you give less than what you took How greedy? The devil has it out for me, but God has a plan for me, I'm focused on the journey, 10 years deep like the odyssey, I should be where I wanna be. Nobody ever wants me. Hey, hey, come on, come here. You know, you're one of the best, Curly, and we wouldn't let just anyone take you. Nobody's asked for me, have they? Nobody's special enough, Curly. You mean someone asked? Only the right people can have you.